Good morning. Man, after a worship set like that, wow, that was just so powerful. Um, I, I, every, every Sunday as we gather together, I'm just so thankful that we have this opportunity to come together and worship the Lord together and hearing your voices and, and worship, worshiping together is just a powerful, powerful thing. I, my heart breaks for those who are, you know, sitting at home high risk and, you know, being safe, which, which is really good. I'm glad they're doing that. But my heart breaks that they aren't able to be here with us. So I want you to know today, if you're not able to be here with us, we're praying for you. We love you. We know that um, you're being safe and we're glad you're doing that. But know this, you are missed and we are praying for you and we, we do miss you. So anyways, just a powerful time of worship today. We have... Um, a special guest here today, really excited. So um, I, it's kind of late notice. Come on up, Ramazan. Ramazan, our, one of our missionaries that we support uh, from Turkey, is here today. And um, I asked him if he would just come today and share a little bit about what's going on in Turkey. Why don't we give him a warm mission view welcome this morning? You got him, Doug? All right, cool. Ramazan, thanks so much for being here. And I'm glad we had this opportunity to bring you and. Uh, what I want to do is just give you a minute to share. Tell us what God's doing in Turkey, what you're most excited about and, and what you're seeing. I know here it's been crazy with COVID and different things. I'm sure it's been really difficult there as well. But tell us a little bit about what God's doing. It's been a crazy year for us too. And we, were, uh, we had a, uh, so many challenges this year. And when the pandemic started, uh, we had lockdown and we didn't know what to do and how to do. And we didn't know how to reach out people. And we were trying to figure that out. But God uh, opened us new door that we focus on the social media. We had social media accounts before and a website, but uh, we were not focusing too much. But during this pandemic, we did focus on the social media a lot. And we started connect many people. I guess the Turkish people got so bored at home and they were looking for something new and they started maybe think more deeply mm -hmm. and they start uh, connecting us and uh, sending email and messages and asking questions. And they follow our uh, website uh, on Facebook and Instagram and we connected actually actually many uh, new people and we were so praised uh, to the Lord for this and we had a very successful uh, year actually this year we baptized in July 12 people wow. and also in October we baptized six people and <laughs> you receive our prayer letters and thank you so much for your praying for us and supporting us and also I just wanted to say thank you behalf of my church especially supporting our media uh, social media project and now we were able to buy new uh, equipment yep. that we could have do better job on uh, social media and reach out more people. And church is doing great and we have new people and church is growing. But one of the things that we're struggling because we live in a very touristic area and because of the pandemic, many uh, hotels didn't open and many of our church members became a jobless and they are facing lots of financial difficulties, especially this coming months. It's going to be more difficult for them and government also is not helping a lot. That's one of the uh, struggle that we have. And the second thing is Turkish government is getting more and more uh, conservative Islamic 
dictatorship, <laughs> let's say that. And because of that, they started kicking out of the, uh, kicking uh, missionary out of the country. And last one and a half years, we lost close to hundred mem- hundred missionaries. That they don't get visa or any other uh, permission to live in Turkey, and that's also giving hard time to Turkish churches. And we had two people that had been kicked out uh, in our church, and they were very supportive. They, we needed their ministry in our church, but now we are focusing more like training on Turkish local people for that. Okay. Let's praise the Lord for those baptisms and the growth of the church. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you. And um, I want I want to take a moment this morning and pray for Ramzan, his family. I think we have a picture. Look at uh, his beautiful family up there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but let's lift uh, Ramzan up and the church and the church in Turkey as a whole in prayer together today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for our brother Ramzan, his family, and him and Karen. Father, we just pray that your hand would continue to protect them and go before them. God, we pray that you would give them favor with the government in Turkey, that you would um, keep and continue to bring new people to their church, grow their church for your kingdom, God. We pray for more baptisms and more salvations. And and as they reach their community uh, through social media and and other means, however you um, show them to do this, God, we pray that you would give them courage that you would go before them, that you would even now begin to work on the hearts of the people that you are calling to yourself, God. Give them the words and, and give them the things that you would have them do that have the greatest impact, God, for your kingdom. We are so thankful to be uh, partnered with them. And Father, we pray that you would keep them safe. Keep them safe, Lord. And, and as, um, as they're going through this time of grief with Karen's loss, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would comfort them in this time that you would be with them, that the loudest voice they hear would be yours, Father, that they would sense your healing power. We just offer this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ramazan. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Praise the Lord. You know, it's not every day that we get to have one of our missionaries here, and um, Ramazan's going to be here. If you'd like to talk to him, hopefully you can say, um, thank him for, you know, what he's doing and what God's doing in their family. So I, it's, uh, awesome. I was, I was backstage worshiping and praying and stuff. I got a, a text from a friend of mine who's watching our service, uh, in uh, Greenville, Ohio. And it made me think about all the people that are watching our services all over the world and all over the United States, people in Austin, Texas that are watching and people just all over the place. We're just so thankful that you're joining us and that we can open God's word together and grow in our faith together. So, well, last week we're in a sermon series called Train Like a Champion. We had that inspiring video. I'm ready to run a marathon just from watching that video, right? We're we're all ready for that, but to this weekend's text, this is, this is where the, <laughs> the uh, rubber or soles of our shoes meet the road as it is. So uh, this is Paul's really practical application of, of kind of the disciplines and how we pursue Christ, how we, we really invest in our relationship with Jesus. And it's a, just a great text. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
just a few verses we're going to be looking at for our text today, uh, the end of chapter 9. Last week we covered the first, I think it was like 23 verses or so of chapter 9. One of the things we walked away with last week, I think it's really important to talk about this and remind us, is that we talked about freedom. What real Christian freedom means. And one of the things we took out of that is that true biblical Christian freedom means that we've been set free, set free to serve others. That Christian freedom is founded and based in this selflessness. That, that Christ himself came to serve and care for others. We see it all throughout his life in one of the most powerful scenes in all of the New Testament. At the, that last supper, we see Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It's this unbelievable act, this servanthood that we saw all throughout Christ's life and then ultimately on the cross for you and me. Just was really powerful stuff, right? Well, this week uh, we're going to see a really neat application of this freedom. You know, how, how, do we, how do we really live that out, right? It's, it's easy for me to stand up here and say, oh, we need to be selfless. Oh, we need to serve others. But when it really comes down to it, Man, where do we find the strength to do that? I mean, that's really difficult. I mean, that, that takes sacrifice. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get caught up in this life and I, I see things that I want or desires that I have and I just, I, I want what I want. <laughs> you know, I'm not always concerned about my neighbor or my spouse or, you know, sometimes I get to this point where I want what I want. How do we, how do we deal with that? How does, how does, what, what kind of tools does God give us to really address that and live out this, this servanthood, this selflessness that Christ modeled for you and me? So I'm really excited about today's text. You're probably picking up on that already. But I'm really excited to share this with you today because this is life-changing truth from God's word today. Let's pray before we read his word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that we can come to you. Um, just a, such a powerful time this morning as we've gathered together. Father, I pray that right now you would um, calm my heart and my spirit, that I would focus on you and your word. God, give me the words to share that would glorify you and that it would change our lives by the power of your spirit. Reveal the truth of your word in such a way that we walk out of here different than we walked in. We surrender to you, Father. We surrender our wills to your will. We say your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives right here and right now and forevermore. Come, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to pick it up here at the end of the chapter. I'm going to start us off in verse 24. God's word for us today. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So, so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not beat as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. It's interesting there, he's starting this whole analogy off about running this race, right? Now, the church in Corinth would have instantly just grasped on to what he was talking about because in Corinth, they had this thing called the Grecian Games. It was kind of like a, um, you know, the, 
smaller Olympics, right? So they would, a lot of these, these athletic events in the Grecian games happened right in Corinth. So, so Paul knew his audience. He was talking to his audience. He knew what they would grasp onto, and, and they knew exactly what he was talking about. Now, one of the things I want to address before we really dive into this is we have to remember the context of these verses we're talking about. These verses are not about salvation. So as he talks about receiving a prize and all these other things, it's not a prize of salvation, although that is the greatest prize. He's talking about rewards in heaven. He's talking about rewards in heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 18 through 20, it says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. So he's, he's really talking about this prize as a prize we receive because of, of the glory of God worked through our lives for the saving of souls. We see as we share the gospel and people's lives are changed and God's kingdom is expanded. We see these baptisms and salvations. That is, we're, we're going to get a reward for these things. What a powerful, powerful thing. It is this joy, crown, and reward that Paul's talking about. It's the gospel that we have been entrusted with. Remember, that's what Paul's talking about. That's what he was talking about last week. He chooses to use his freedom to share the gospel. You remember how he talked about that? He says, man, to the Jews, I'll be a Jew. To those under the law, I'll be under the law. To those outside, I'll be outside the law. I'll be anything to everyone so that I might win some. I mean, that's the context of this verse, is this idea of sharing the gospel as much as we can, that passionate expression of sharing the gospel. Now, that being said, the first thing I want us to kind of gleam from this text, and the first fill-in in your notes today is this, the Christian journey is a marathon, not a sprint. The Christian journey is a marathon, not a sprint. Last week, we saw how Paul was willing to give it all for God. We just talked about it. He would be anything to anyone so that he might win some. And the first thing he gets to right here is he says, we are in a race. You are in a race. Any marathon runners here today? Anybody? Anybody ever ran a marathon or tried? <laughs> I tried to, to run one one time. I think I made it to like mile 16 and then had to ride the meat wagon back. But anyways, that's a whole nother story. But you're in a race. Did you know you're a runner? You are in a marathon. Sorry, nobody's left out. All of us are in this race. Paul's making it clear. Really what Paul's getting at is that this life isn't easy. It's not a walk in the park. And we shouldn't act as if it is. Think about this. We are like Olympic athletes in training, working towards a goal or a prize or this, you know, an imperishable wreath, as Paul would say. Have you ever felt, though, like you're just going through the motions? I mean, you, you, you wake up Monday morning, you go to work and you do your thing, you come home, you have dinner, you, maybe you watch some Netflix and you go to bed. Tuesday morning, you wake up, you go to work, Monday through Friday, nine to five, Saturdays, maybe you do something with the family, Sundays, you come to church, Re- rinse, wash, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat, right? Have you, have you ever felt like you're just going through the motions? That is something that the Christian cannot afford. 
I mean, when Paul talks about running a marathon, training like an Olympic athlete, this whole idea of that they would have had of the Grecian games, there is no such thing as going through the motions. When we live this Christian life, we are in training. We are working hard. There is, there is no flatlining. In this life, we are either growing in our relationship with Christ and we're working on it and we're investing in it and we're getting closer and closer and we're being more and more sanctified, which just means changed, by God's presence and his work in our lives, or we are declining and we are struggling and we're letting go of things that we need in our lives. There's no, there's no flatlining. There's no just, you know, making ends meet and just going through the motions. It doesn't exist. We are either investing and growing or we are dying and fading away. That's our relationship with Christ. I mean, if you think about it, that's, that's kind of our relationship with anyone. We can invest in these relationships and grow these relationships, be honest, be vulnerable, and continually invest in these things. I talk with married couples all the time as they come in for counseling. You know, I always ask these questions. Well, how often do you go out for on date nights? You know, how are you investing in your marriage? What does this look like? And, you know, that's, that's how relationships work. That's how our relationship with Christ works. There's, you know, in... in in the kingdom of God, there's, there's no sidelines or bench. Everyone has a God job. No one gets a pass. In this life, we're either investing and growing or a relationship is struggling. There's no coasting. You have an opportunity every day when you wake up to choose what you are going to do. Live and grow or slowly fade to gray. I want you to hear this this morning. God has a destiny for you. God has a destiny for you. That long ago, before he created the world, before he spoke it into existence, he knew your name. And the Bible tells us that he had set aside good things for you to do. He's not, he's not surprised by the choices you make. He's not up there going, oh my goodness, I can't believe Matt would do that or you would do. He's not shocked. He knows all things. He's all powerful. He's ever present. And before time began, he had good things set aside for you. He has a destiny for you. Investing in your relationship with him and serving him, pouring out your life for a, a bigger, bigger goal than we could ever imagine. You, your life is meant to change the world through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. God invites us and he's inviting you to be a part of the greatest epic ever. But what Paul's getting at as he says, run this race, is that it's not for the faint-hearted, that it takes work, blood, sweat, and tears. Now think about this running the race and this Olympic analogy that Paul's going with here. If you ever trained for a marathon, let me just fill you in. <laughs> it takes months, months of preparation and 
and the right types of food that you eat. And, and you, you start out with a really small run. I started out um, by jogging to the end of my block, not around my block, not the full mile around my block, just to the corner, <laughs> okay? That's the starting point, a quarter mile. And then I was out of breath and done. And then I would walk the rest of the way around the block. Eventually it was half a block. Eventually it was the whole block. And then eventually it was a few miles. And eventually it was five miles. Let me just tell you, there's this, this shift that happens once you get up to about eight to 12 miles past that time. Your body starts doing really weird things. You know, you, you, you start to, to struggle as you're going through this. And you get sore in really weird and strange places. And, and, and rashes develop and all these. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's awful. And you think to yourself, why would anybody ever want to do this? This is painful. This is, there's blood and there's sweat and there's tears and there's, there's struggle, let alone any injuries that you may incur. I mean, mine was an IT band injury where I couldn't run for three months afterwards, right? I mean, let alone the injuries that come on top of all this struggle and strife and pain. I mean, who would want to do this? <laughs> it's a struggle. That's the analogy that Paul, that's the picture Paul's painting for us here. That, that's a picture of what the Christian life is meant to be. We are meant to be pouring out our lives every day, that every aspect of our lives is absorbed and consumed by this idea of a creator God who loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. And he saved us from this life of sin. And, and he, he brought us into the, a life that's amazing. And, and our, our life is meant to be consumed by that grace and glory of God in the person of Jesus. So how, he said, how do you live out this freedom? How do you live out this freedom to serve others? How do you live out this Christ freedom that he's given us? We pour our lives into a relationship with Jesus. We train like Olympic athletes. We never rest in it. We never let it go. We focus our minds and hearts, our purpose, our future, our tomorrow, our everything on Jesus and what he's done for us. In verse 25 of our text, it says, every athlete exercises self-control in some things. Well, wait, wait, that's not what it says, is it? Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I, you know, I asked that question, why would anybody do this? Why would anyone go through the pain and suffering, Right? It's the second fill-in in your notes. We run for an eternal prize. You run for an eternal prize. The early morning training sessions, the watching what we eat, the late night training sessions, the consistency, the wear and tear on our bodies, the injuries, the maintenance, the sleep schedule, every part of our lives set aside for us to be able to play our part in the greatest redemption story ever told. Going to church every Sunday, praying and focusing on the Lord without ceasing, worshiping, fasting, going to community group, taking times of solitude and silence, serving, doing disciplines, exercises, self, exercising self-control in all things. Why? Because we have an eternal reward. Heaven awaits us, church. Our struggle with discipline and self-control 
isn't just because our weakness and temptation. I really believe this. It's not just because of our weakness and temptation. It's our pathetic view and lack of understanding of what heaven really is. Did you hear me on that? Let me say it again. Our struggle with discipline and self-control isn't just because of our weakness and temptation. I think it's because we have a pathetic view or lack of understanding of what heaven's really going to be like. What, what this paradise that we've been promised is really going to be like. A clearer understanding of eternity fuels our holiness in this temporary life. The Bible says that this life is just a vapor. It's here one second, it's gone the next. This is never meant to be our focus. It's never meant to, this life is never meant to be our motivation. Our motivation is, is what Christ has laid out for us. It's what he's shown us. It's what he's done for us. And it's these promises that he's laid out for us. And here's the thing about God's promises. God has proven himself faithful that he fulfills every single promise that he's made over thousands and thousands and thousands of years throughout the history of humanity and humankind. God has proven himself that he will answer and do every promise he has ever said. He promised a savior two, thousands of years before Jesus showed up and Jesus showed up. He's done everything he said he will do. And when he says, heaven awaits you, heaven awaits us. When he says, there's eternal rewards, there's eternal rewards. Man, if we, if, I think if we could just kind of wrap our minds around what heaven really means for us, what these rewards really mean for us, what being with our Savior, our Creator God face to face is going to mean for you and me, it's, it's going to change the way that we live. Paul says it this way in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or trash. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And he is the founder of our faith. Amen. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says it's all rubbish. All of the things that he's gained, all of, the, all of the admiration because of the way he followed through with the law and, and how the Pharisees even looked up to Paul and all of this stuff that he had gained in his life and as he was a tent maker and the work that he had done and the business that he had, whatever it may be, all of it is just trash. Throw it away. All of it means nothing. The only thing that means anything to me is this relationship with Jesus this real living God that came to earth, put on flesh for you and me. That's what life is all about. That's where I find my motivation. That's what propels me towards righteousness and goodness. Anything good that comes to my mind or anything good that I do, it's because of this grace and mercy of God in the person of Jesus Christ. 
We get it messed up, though. We get to the point where we think ice cream's good. Just wait. You think ice cream's good? You think cheesecake's good? Golf, sports cars, football, friendships, a good meal, a great day, maybe a great hike, a run, or a relaxing time. All of these things, all of these good things are given to us out of the grace and mercy of God, but they just pale in comparison to the glory we will see, experience, and enjoy in heaven. Hear me, church. The good things in this life are not the end goal. They are only meant to point us to the prize. Are you tracking with me on this? The good things in this life are meant to whet your appetite, not satisfy you. If the good things, here's, here's what it goes, if the good things in this life don't make you worship and praise God, you're doing it wrong. If the good things in this life don't make you worship God and praise him for his grace and mercy, you're doing it wrong. Everything that we experience in this life that, that is good and that blessing that he's given us propel us to our knees in worship and praising him. So how do we do it right? How do we do it right? Look at verse 27. Paul says, but I discipline my body, keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The last filling in your notes is this. We run disciplined and under control. Short, easy statement. Wow, lots of stuff. A lot of stuff here. We discipline our bodies. We keep our bodies under control. I got online. I started looking at marathon training programs. And then I looked up like uh, Olympic training programs. I mean, it's, it's like books. We're, we're talking like 300, 500 page books that, that people write for these, these training athletes. Every, every single carbohydrate, every single protein, all of it, every cholesterol is accounted for. Every minute of sleep, every, every minute of sleep accounted for. Every morning training session, every afternoon training session, every evening training session, every rest day. I mean, it is detailed out, like what they're going to do. It's this much weight on the right arm, this much weight when you're doing leg lifts, this much this here. This, it's 12.5 miles this day. It's 18 miles. It's insane. So brothers and sisters, what's your training program? If we're in a marathon, if we're going to do this, if we're going to live out this destiny God set before us and the Christian life is like a marathon and it's this Olympic training thing, we got to ask ourselves a really hard question. What's your training program? Is it written out? Are you living it out? I mean... It would really stink to show up at the starting line of a marathon and never having run a mile before. 
I did the entire training program and hit the meat wagon at mile 16. Trust me, it would really stink to start to show up to a marathon and never have run a mile before. But I'm telling you, so many Christians do it. Paul says, hey, the Christian life isn't just rainbows and unicorns. It's tornadoes and pterodactyls. This is going to be really hard stuff. If we're going to live this out. It's going to be blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, we're just going to go about our day. You know, I'm going to veg Netflix for three hours every night. And we're just going to live out. No, that's not Christianity. It's time that we step up and do the things that God's empowered us through the, his Holy Spirit to do. Live out these things. Discipline. That's a fun word, isn't it? Everybody, discipline, just a great word, right? Even growing up, you know, we think about discipline, it's getting a spanking from mom or dad or something, you know? This is the type of discipline that we actually plan out, that we actually discipline our bodies, we plan out our Christianity, that we actually have a scheduled time where we open God's word and read it, that we actually have a scheduled time through our day where we actually get on our knees and pray, or, I mean, drive in our cars and listen to worship music or, or pray as we're walking around or whatever it may be. We have to have a plan. We have to set aside time for the Lord. Really what Paul's getting at is the spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Romans 8, 18 and 19 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. This discipline, as we, as we focus our hearts, our minds on the Lord, and we sacrifice and we give up of our time and of our, of our energy, of our finances, of, of everything, as we hand it over to God, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of the present not even worth comparing. It's not even worth comparing. We need to have this kind of attitude and dedication, knowing that we run a race that has a reward, has a prize. We need to prepare for eternity. That's how we have to view this kind of discipline, this kind of sacrifice. You are preparing for eternity. That's our home. That's our destiny. When, we give, when you give your life to Jesus, you become a citizen of heaven. And Paul makes our preparation clear. Discipline and under control. These spiritual practices the Bible talks about. Now, as I talk about spiritual disciplines and, and doing all these things, I want to be clear here. We don't have to do these things to get to heaven. We do these things because we're going to heaven. We are not saved by our good works. We are saved to good works. We get to do good works. It's the very reality that God would save a sinner like me that compels me and motivates me to obey him and do the, the things that he's calling us to do. Now, here's, here's the really cool thing. The amazing work of the spiritual disciplines is that they, they are difficult and even painful at times, at the start, but they turn into our greatest joy. They become our greatest joy. I, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this or not. Maybe it's just me. 
But, you know, you wake up on a Sunday morning after a long Saturday night. Maybe you didn't get a great night's sleep, you know. Maybe it was a really long week. You had a lot of work to do on Saturday. You didn't have your real day to, you know, chill out or anything. And you wake up, the alarm goes off, and you're like, oh, man, it's Sunday morning. I got to get up. I got to get the kids ready for church. Got to let the dogs out. I'm already two hours later than I normally would be. I got to do all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just sleep in today. And it's just, I don't know. It's, you know. It was a long night. But you get yourself up and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And you're, you're running late and you get it all together. And you walk into church, you're 10 minutes late. Your hair's a little messed up. Your, your shirt's untucked. And, and you're just, you know, a little disheveled and, and you start listening to the worship and you start singing along with the songs. Something starts to change in, in your heart, in your mind. That you maybe, maybe Joe's preaching and it's a really good sermon for that day. And God's truth starts to take root in your heart and your life. And you're like, man, I, you know what? I needed to hear that. Maybe you have a conversation with a friend in the lobby or maybe you go out to lunch with some friends afterwards and, and you, you talk about what God's doing in your life and somehow that conversation changes from, you know, how's the weather to, man, God's done this in my life. Or did you hear what Ramadan talked about? Can you believe what God's doing in Turkey? This is crazy. This is awesome. You go home and you're like, man, I feel like a different person. That's what the spiritual disciplines do to us. God in his mercy and grace, he's not giving you a list of things to do. He's not trying to ruin your life. He's trying to show you the path to true joy, the path to true freedom, the path to this amazing relationship with God that motivates us and, and propels us into this servanthood that can only be done through relationship with God and the power of his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. That's what it's all about. But this is all about. What an amazing thing. We have to cultivate this. We have to work at this. And it may be hard at first. As you came in, you, hopefully you got one of the programs as you came in. And we, I wanted to give you something, just a kind of a reminder of these spiritual disciplines. We have these bookmarks. And I was like, you know, it's got a little train like a champion. So we're all champions here through Christ, right? But these are bookmarks that you can use in your Bible or maybe your Bible study books or whatever. But just to remind us, and there's a scripture reference of the, the first Corinthian scripture references on there. But that as we go home, that, that maybe this week you start your Christian training program, your eternity training program. It's not a marathon, you know, that's just the analogy, but you have an eternity of destiny. You start your eternal destiny training program tomorrow morning. You open your Bible and you can use this as you maybe go through a Bible reading plan or maybe you just read through 1 Corinthians. If you're new to the, this whole Christian journey idea, I would encourage you to read through the Gospel of John. Maybe that's the, fir the first book that you're starting in. Or maybe you're just like, you know what? That really makes sense, Matt. I, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've never been mentored. I, I've never actually gone through any discipleship program or anything like that. Just call the church office. We have a discipleship program called The Journey. And we would love to go through this discipleship 
program with you. We have tons of people that are doing it already. Join in along with us. Meet with someone as you're going through this, this program, this training program for eternity. We wanted to help you. So we have that little bookmark for you. I encourage you to take that and use that um, as we train for eternity. Well, this is good stuff. I don't know about you, but as I was studying through this uh, and working through this, and I, I've, you know, I've been able to work on this for months now because I plan out our sermon schedule over a long time, and it is so challenging. I just want to share that with you. These spiritual disciplines are so challenging. Maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you've got your, your um, like me, you, you get up every morning, and you read God's Word, or you listen to... Um, you know, a sermon from someone and you invest in, you're growing and, you know, that's not the, that's not the end all. You know, I would challenge you to take another step. What's the next step in your journey? Maybe, maybe for you, it's just reading the Bible for the first time, but I know there's others out there. Maybe it is a time of fasting. Maybe it's doing a three-day fast where you just take time and pray and, and fast. What's the next step for you in your journey with Christ? I just want to encourage you and challenge you to take those next steps because eternity awaits you. Eternal rewards await us. And that's an amazing thing. That is an amazing thing to think about, isn't it? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son that what he did for us is unfathomable. We, don't, we can't explain it. We, to be quite honest, Lord, we don't completely comprehend it. Such sacrifice. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. It's because of that gift, that sacrifice, that we, we want to live our lives poured out for you, that you would just wring us out for your kingdom. Nothing would be left, Father. I just pray for everyone that's here and, and watching online. Father, I pray that you would be with them this week. And as they purpose in their hearts to pursue you and to apply this eternal training program for eternity, God, that you would empower them and encourage them. If they're reading their Bible for the first time, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal the truths of your word and that it would take deep root in their hearts and lives and change them for your glory. And for those out there that have practiced these disciplines for a long time, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet with them in a powerful way. Take them deeper. Reveal more of yourself to them. Grow them and change them for your kingdom, for your glory, and for their good. And God, I pray that you would change me, Father, as I pursue you more. Change us. We surrender our lives to you, and we say, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, man, I, I'm so excited. I love, I love where Paul's going in this letter. As we go through the next few chapters of 1 Corinthians, man, it, it gets better and better. So I'm excited about next week's sermon. I wanted to share with you something, um, some, a small change that we're making here at Mission View Church. And um, this is, I'm, I'm happy to be able to do this. Uh, when I moved here um, over two and a half years ago, um, Jesse was leading worship, and I was just like, I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a worship pastor for the, the first 20 years or so of ministry. 
And um, so if I, I was going to be a lead pastor at a church, I have somewhat critical eye of the worship bands and worship teams and different things. And I remember coming the first time and seeing Jesse Lee worship, and I was like, okay, that's a church I could pastor, I could be at, you know, that he did such a great job. What I didn't know when I came is that Jesse was just filling in. And um, there was another worship leader that was here before, and, and the elders had asked Jesse to fill in until they found a worship leader. And when I found that out, I went to Jesse. I said, man, you're so good at this. Have you ever thought about doing it? I mean, and um, he has a family business that he, he runs with his father, and, and he was able to say, hey, man, yeah, let's try this out and test this out. And I wanted to publicly acknowledge and thank Jesse for his willingness to serve us as our worship leader um, over this time and take, make a sacrifice and do that for us and, and do that. So thank you, Jesse. I really appreciate it. Yes. And that's, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not about praising men here. We're about praising God. That's a work that God's done through Jesse. So we praise God for that. We'll be clear. But um, that being said, uh, Jesse's fulfilled that time that I've asked him to do that. And we had a meeting, was it, I think it was this past week or two weeks ago. I'm terrible at dates. But anyways, we were talking and um, his family business, quick shout out, Thompson Targets, shooting targets, the best targets on the market. <laughs> Thompson Targets had a phenomenal year this past year. They've done really well. And Jesse's decided that this is the time that he needs to invest in the family business and just take it to the next level. And he's going to be stepping down from the responsibilities of being the worship leader here. The overall, where he organizes the entire worship team and everything else. Um, he's going to stick around. He's still going to lead worship, play on the worship band and those kinds of things. Bishop View is still his home church, but he's stepping down from the staff position. So we're, gonna de we're really going to miss him, and uh, we love having him at the church offices throughout the week. He leads worship for our, our staff meetings, and it's awesome every week. But, um, so we're sad that, that Jesse's stepping down, but we see that God's doing something there, and, and we're blessing him and, and really excited for him in that. That being said, um, when we talked about that, me and Jesse talked, and we were like, man, who would be a good fit for this? And um, both of us thought that Jordan Reese would be a great person to step into that role. Um, just over the time that I've been here, I can see God's hand on, on Jordan leading worship and just growing in that area. So um, I talked to Jordan over the last few weeks here, and uh, him and Lauren prayed about it for a while, and Jordan's decided uh, to come on and be the worship leader for us. So he's going to be taking that over. Yeah. You know... Change is hard, you know, but, but the kingdom, God's always doing something. There's always change happening. And I'm just so thankful that Jordan's here and him and Lauren prayed about it. And God really directed them to do this. So what I want to do is just pray for us and pray for these guys as, as each of them are going into a new season of their life. So let's pray for them together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your hand and your work in, in Jesse's life. I just, I'm so thankful for his willingness and and the, just what you do through him, Father. So we praise you for that, and we thank you for that. And Lord, as he moves into this, this um, real investment into Thompson Targets, we pray that it would be fruitful, that you would grow that, that business, that he would uh, use uh, the opportunity that he has there for your kingdom, Father, and that you would just bless that and protect him. And as he continues to serve here at Mission View as well, we're just so thankful for a heart of service like that. We pray for blessing on his family, their business, and, and for your kingdom and for your glory, God. And Father, we lift up Jordan, too, as he's prayed about this and 
He and Lauren have a new baby as well. Just this new season for them. Father, I pray that you would give him wisdom, that as he plans our services, that uh, a creativity would come from you, Father, as he, he makes these decisions. Lord, be with him, go before him, protect him, and, and help us as a church to come up around him and surround him with encouragement as we, we all together run after you, Jesus. We surrender all of this to you, Father. We thank you for your provision in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's stand together and worship as we sing our closing song today. Thanks, Matt. Well, before we sing this last song, I just want to take a moment just to kind of um, express my appreciation, my thankfulness. Uh, first off, just to the church, the church body, the elders, the leadership for allowing me to kind of explore uh, the, the possibility of, of, of full-time vocational worship uh, ministry. So thank you, guys. Uh, it's been such an awesome journey these last three years that I've been leading I'm so just so thankful for the Lord and what he's taught me, what he's done in my life. Um, when I first considered the possibility of filling in when, when Josh left, um, I, I wasn't sure if I could do it. Um, it was new for me. Um, but man, I'm so glad that I did. It's just been an awesome three years, and I've, uh, I've loved leading you all in worship every, sun, every Sunday. And I'm so thankful that I get to continue uh, doing that, being involved with the, with the band. Um, and I'm so thankful for, uh, first of all, I mean, the talent and, and just the hearts of all the band members, everybody involved with the worship ministry has just been so awesome. And so it's going to be just a smooth transition uh, to have Jordan kind of take the reins. Um, so looking forward to that. So, yeah, all that being said, let's sing this last song together. This is Yes and Amen. We introduced this one a couple of weeks ago. This is a song singing about our uh, obedience and our um, submission to God's will.